0: They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent
1: Adventure. Well, welcome. I'm good. Cool. welcome you? back to the land of the living. I know it sucks to be, especially there. because the moment you arrive back, we we get threatened with another lockdown. It's like Tom Putt. Are you are you like the, <laughs> I seem to be, the bad juju that comes <laughs> with Tom's presence?
0: I seem to be I seem to be spreading the love. Maybe I'm the super spreader and uh and it's I'm just spreading it everywhere because Perth, the last time I was in Perth, I had mm-hmm. the lockdown and potentially now here. So yeah, I don't know what's going on, but um, anyway, it's just the way of the world it at the moment, isn't fun it? Fun
1: times. Anyway though, that's the uh, that's the crappy bat the cool we got that out of the way. All the crappy stuff done by fifty-four seconds. <laughs> How was it? How was it? Yeah. You, you must be spinning after all those helicopter flights.
0: I, I actually got a little bit complacent um, towards the end, and I'm like, oh yeah, and like another helicopter. <laughs> like it, um, it was a little bit blasé to be honest, because uh, we spent over those three two three weeks spent 25 hours in helicopters um did did you get to fly so, business
1: at least yeah it's constantly <laughs> <laughs> or do it's they stick you up the back in economy
0: champagne before, <laughs> champagne before it. It extra
1: leg room hanging um, out the side
0: extra leg room um you know uh the the, the bath robes and the fluffy slippers <laughs> but um no, I'm, I, I will be dead keen to get back up in the air again before too long, I'm sure of it. But in the meantime, I've got to adjust back to reality and, and work and bills and uh, organising future workshops, um, you know, gallery, making sure the gallery oh, is still sustainable. You still got that, still got that to you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I, I drove past. There. I did pop in the other day. I thought I saw it was being converted it to an like, Aldi or something.
1: That. I thought the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs>
0: And aldi would make i far do have more a question
1: money. though like so not about the gallery or aldi um this something struck me really really odd um in the last couple of weeks because obviously we haven't caught up for a little while and last time we caught up we were talking about your ridiculous camera choices um
0: well not ridiculous uh, what are you talking about my brilliant your, camera your, choices your,
1: your indecisive camera choices we'll call it then um
0: okay well i don't well, know that so, i've been indecisive I'm well, just the non i'm, 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 I'm just Very non with my choice.
1: You know, still sort of sticking with multiple systems. Anyway, look, that's not really the point. But this does oh. kind of um, uh, a similar theme. I noticed that you were in a helicopter for, you said, 25 hours over a few weeks, which is a lot of time really to be up. And like for those who haven't been in a yeah. helicopter, it's not like being in an airplane where you kind of sit back and you get bored. Like helicopters are kind of pretty, uh, I don't know, like dynamic <laughs> machines. <laughs> they're, not, they're not quite as relaxing as yes. like you know, first class in a, in a Boeing 747.
0: Um, no, which, yeah, which you're yeah, used to. Yeah, um,
1: yep. But I did yep. notice that yep. despite yep. all this beautiful airtime with your ability to shoot with your beautiful, lovely new camera, you you're the only person on the planet who would take a drone on a helicopter workshop. <laughs> I feel like, I feel <laughs> like <laughs> either you were sitting in the passenger seat flying to take photos of you in the helicopter or what on earth was going on there?
0: Well, you know, it was, I I like to keep my options open, you know, just in case, you know, the helicopter decides not to fly one day. No, no, no. Um, We were doing a mixture. The the second workshop that I ran in the Kimberley was an east to west workshop that was ground-based. So, like, we were travelling in cars. So, we had the option to take you know some drone footage and take ground photos versus
1: oh, i thought you were genuinely well, t- took so. a, a drone on a helicopter specific workshop and, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would just seemed a little bit far-fetched for me <laughs>
0: <laughs> just just throw the drone out the window to m- see Do how remember it flies the bp, as a, as remember a remember that BP express yet? ad
1: where they were like the, they'd be driving in their car past the bp and the little helicopter came out and like delivered snacks to them yeah, I, I can just I picture do, you just I like, do. you know, or someone in the other choppers like, hey, Tom, I need to borrow a lens. Don't worry, coming right up. Hooks the lens onto the drone, flies it to the <laughs> next chopper. Be like in-flight refueling, this basically.
0: <laughs> this is it, you know, like uh, you've got it sorted. It's. I just, I just want to get out and do more of that yeah, stuff. Yeah,
1: I did see the new drone that's coming out from Sony. Looks pretty cool. There's that's a Sony drone. drone. Yeah, well... Well, it's are you kidding me? Okay, I'm so Googling it's called it like Peak Air or something like that, um, and it is a uh, air peak. It's a competitor to, the, to competitor to the DJI Matrice. So it's like a full frame camera drone. It's not like a built in camera gimbal drone. It's like a. I'm,
0: I'm looking um, at it. I'm looking at it. You've got to mount your SLR to the bottom of it, and it looks like it requires two. two yeah.
1: It's a beast. Uh, it's definitely two, two definitely two not something that you're going to go out and just buy as a hobbyist. But I I.
0: Cool. Isn't it interesting that they're throwing their, uh, throwing their, their way. Yeah. Uh, well, stuff. I think
1: one of the, uh, I think it was Tony Northrup was saying uh, on a podcast or video, YouTube thing this morning um, was saying that cause Sony owns and controls so much of the film industry that they don't actually have to compete with anyone because they actually they bankroll all the films so there's if they build a drone and they've built cameras that shoot movies they basically get to dictate what equipment gets used so they can basically build whatever they want yeah. and people are going to be forced to use it <laughs> so what
0: what, in, what involvement do they have with the with the Sony, uh, film industry
1: Sony Yeah Sony picks like Sony, Sony BMG Sony like it's pictures. it's like yeah, Sony it's basically, pictures. the equivalent of like Universal or Pixar or Disney, you know, they they own uh, like, like massive one of the big operators. Um, so you go, Sony, have
0: B- I just feel incredibly, incredibly blonde for something <laughs> making that comment.
1: There now. you go. So, so um, uh, where are they? Major labels are oh, that's so Sony Music. Um, then there's Sony, uh, what is it? So, so Sony, Sony BMG is the know, music, sorry. Um. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, right. Come anyway. on, Jesus. Sony,
0: Sony Pictures generates about ten billion, ten billion dollars a year. It's not, so It's yeah. Karate, Karate Kids, Ghostbusters, Spider Man, Jumanji, Stuart Little, Men in Black. Just a They've couple. They've done a few things.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean they're not they're not that famous, but they're not Tom Putt famous. But you know, they're um they're they're known. You they're know. Not, not.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Right, well, that's interesting. That, so um, do you think that'll bleed into sort uh, of commercial or, or should I say, you know, um, amateur drones like the uh, DJI I, stuff I have as no well. idea,
1: to be honest. But I reckon that it's it, it's sort of, it's peaked my interest. It's air peaked my interest.
0: Because, you know, I don't, I've never <laughs> oh, liked drones.
1: I'm, I'm quite a big advocate against drones. Um, I know that's where we differ. Oh, I know it's where we differ. That's so yeah. religious.
0: What is it that you don't like about <laughs> Just,
1: this, drones? It feels like a, a, a Family Guy episode of like what really grinds my gears. Um, so drones to me, I, I, I think that they're really useful and I think that they've got an absolute place in production.
0: Oh, no, here we I'm, go. Don't butter me I'm, up I'm with saying, all this not, BS. I want to know your valid reason for why you don't like them.
1: Say so I've got two.
0: <laughs> there was a no, big pregnant a pause there. there so.
1: um, i got I, Oh, I'm, you've okay. already up. So I've got semi, two. So one of don't them's don't a like personal drivers, preference, so. and one of them is a genuine, genuine like I don't know how to say hatred, but close to.
0: If they made silent no, drones, would happy. you be happier?
1: Um, so the personal right. preference, and I'm sure you can relate to this. And in fact, I'm positive we've talked about this before. Um, in photography, I really enjoy like I enjoy photography, but I, as much as I enjoy the end product, I really enjoy the experience of it too. And I'm sure you're the same. Like there's something yep. about, you know, going to a unique spot, seeing a unique thing, like being there, being part of it, and then recording that, that thing that you saw. And I kind because. of feel like drones, because. whether it's a drone that's in the air, an underwater drone, a land drone, whatever it is, um, it's it's not the same experience. Like you'd, you'd have to agree that being in a helicopter shooting aerials, for instance, is far different to just throwing a drone up, you standing on the ground staring at a phone essentially. Um, and hitting the record button. And yes. the end product might look the same, even if you if yes. you took all the technical stuff out of it, the end product's the same. I, th- I feel like your connection to that photo is going to be far less. Um, and I think in a way, because of that, and because drones have become so cheap, um, relatively speaking, for your average punter, like a lot of people have just a drone, you know, that they use now. Um, I think it's, it, I don't know, it's, it's a step towards kind of disconnecting photography for what it I think it should be to kind of going towards like the commoditization of it. It's about, you know, who got the best shot, who got likes, as opposed to like what was the experience of it. You know, like it's it, it doesn't feel as I don't say real, but certainly I feel like there's a a missing link. You know? It's kind of like iPhone right. photography. Wickedly useful for lots of things, okay. definitely. But if you just hit the button and kind of load it straight to social media and then it's never to be seen again, I feel like that's not, to me, like that's not the core of photography or why people do it. That's because people are trying to prove that they were in a place, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, that, that's not too offensive, is it? it, it
0: no, no, it's not. I I, I I, think you're sort of blurring the lines in two different arguments though there because at the end of the day, um, the ability that drones have given us to be able to give that experience to people to say this is what this place looks like but from a, a video point of view which i find so much more engaging than a still photograph
1: oh that's true yeah from, like, no, from a video perspective I ever I gave up, should,
0: yeah. yeah i thought yeah, we we're yeah, talking yeah. photos sorry, i can Thomas. i can <laughs> Oh, from photo point of view. No, because no, oh, right, video, okay. video I agree. A
1: video is like, that's an immersive experience, I think, where it's, you're right, that gives it you is. a perspective and can give you a lot of information, I think, you know, and I think it's visually that is very spectacular. But I'm talking from a photo perspective because, like, video, that's not something that the average person would ever be able to see or capture. But I think from a photo perspective, you know, like not many people have the ability to, like, you can't film video out of the side of a helicopter very easily unless you've got a proper rig for it, you know. But photography is like it's challenging, sure. But you know, yeah, I feel like throwing a drop over the beach and just taking the same shot the last person did feels a bit. Yeah,
0: it's very clinical and it's very sterile, and it can be a bit naff, and it it kind of it makes it too easy or too accessible. Mm. But by bear in mind that you know, like some of the shots that I took for my recent book on the Mornington Peninsula weren't possible without a drone because I needed to be at a height that was higher than being on the ground, but lower than being in a helicopter or an aeroplane.
1: I yeah, I get that. I've tried, but but I guess that's and I can't. But that's why I think drones should exist. Cause like you've got a good point. Yeah. Like, there's definitely people, that, yeah. and there's, as I said, from a productive perspective, that it made total sense. Like, I've been in shoots before, I'm like, geez, I could really use a drone right now, even for just like a panning or a dolly shot at ground level. The I don't, borrow, you can drone. no, nah, because I don't have to, have to play mine. this episode then. Um, <laughs> 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 no, no, but like, but I think from it, they, they're very useful. Don't get me wrong, love them for that. I'm not talking about the you shooting for a book where you've got a very specific idea in mind, I'm talking about. The, the fact that drones have become so commonplace. Like it's the top birthday Christmas present sort of idea of 2018 to 2027 20, probably. Um, and it just gets to that point where it's like it, people are just repeating the shot because they can and they don't know what to do with it. So like they just do the same thing as everyone else. And I think with that comes my next pet hate, which is that drones are probably one of the most intrusive forms of photography um short of street photography maybe um but they're very intrusive i think and because people are using them in places that are genuine like beautiful landscapes and nature um there is just something about um you know you, you lose that feeling of of isolation of of nature you know i go to a campsite and you can always hear a drone or two in the air you know um I said
0: to you, if we could make drones that were silent. No, it still kind of okay? annoy
1: me to be honest, because I'm like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know that. Were there.
1: That's what probably me even there. more. It's like here I am at our campsite like, chilling. Have I told you the story about our about our um, Falls Creek camping adventure? Right. So this is like the classic, this is the human drone version, right? So we we get up to a place called Pretty Valley. It's on the back of Falls Creek. And it's it's like a six hour drive that we dragged our tent up there. This is back in our tent days. Um, And you you drive up to it. So it's not a hike or anything, but you drive up there and it's on the backside near the dam. And it's absolutely spectacular. It's one of the only places I think in Victoria where you can camp on top of a mountain, open your tent and literally see off the mountain. You know, it's not kind of hidden in bushes or anything. Wow. Wow. Anyway, Laura and I are having – it's yeah. our anniversary. So we're up there. We've got the tent. We've got the fire. Cracked a nice bottle of champers. Had a cheese board. You know, like we're like <laughs> really just, you know, tranquil, totally enjoying ourselves. Wow. And this 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 car yeah. pulls up or like I think it was a Prado. And no joke, it was a clown car because like 13 people got out of this tiny little four, four-seater oh. car. And oh, I'm like, right. what the hell? Yeah, yeah. And they're literally they got the entire mountain and they walked straight through our campsite, right? straight between us drinking champagne, like literally between our chairs. And they started taking photos of us. And then they turned around and took a couple of photos off into the landscape. Mind you, they were all wearing face masks before face masks were cool as well. I'm thinking this is weird. Anyway, straight back into the car, all 13 people. And then they drive back down the mountain again. And it was just the most like bizarre, intrusive moment. Yeah, it was super weird. weird. and. Um, anyway the, the the weird part, I think where this ties into the drone thing is like it's when you go out into the wilderness, there is something about that feeling like you are there, you're right there in that moment and it's like if there are drones around, even if you can't hear them or see them or whatever, and but they're just capturing everything. there's just something that's intrusive about that. It's almost like it's CCTV where you don't need it, you know.
0: I, I kind of get where you're coming from, but my argument to that is well, how, people don't jump up and down if they see a helicopter or a plane fly over. Yet, if they see a drone, they immediately get Well, I think it's because backup. there's
1: not 1500 helicopters hovering around you at once. I think that's the thing with dro- and, and. But there's not 1500 no, drones it's beca- hovering it's around you. It is becoming more once. like yeah. that. We were down at the peninsula the other day. We were on the back beaches. Oh,
0: never been. Never been to a place where I've seen any more than oh, one there was, drone. Well, there near was two
1: um, at Bridgewater Bay on Friday. I had my Seascapes workshop down there, and there were two people flying drones around. And again, it's like they're not silent yet, right. so let's take that off the table. Um, and it is just this feeling as yep. though, like at any moment, this is just like they're either. It's not that they're watching. I don't have anything we're hiding to watch from or anything, but it's just that feeling of someone no, hovering over no. you, and. Um, yeah, I sort of just think again. If if heli- oh, yeah, but also I, think about this totally You said if helicopters John- became accessible and they were two thousand dollars each, <laughs> would that be a problem? Yes, because the person <laughs> who's currently flying a helicopter, it is so expensive to have that helicopter in the air. The likelihood of them just sitting around going, "Hey, let's just like hover over these people and take pictures," <laughs> like that doesn't happen because it's yeah. it's, it's cost prohibitive. Whereas when you start looking at drones that can cost yeah. you know as little as a hundred bucks, that's where it changes the conversation. I think because you go well. It's, it's not the – you don't know this like even at Point Lonsdale, I had one um, – this is about a year and a half ago – down at Point Lonsdale Pier and there was someone flying a drone around and they were trying to do one of those really cool shots, admittedly, where they sweep really low over the pier. And so because that perspective changes, yes. it's a very dramatic shot. It's, it's it's actually a wicked video shot. But the person clearly had no idea how to fly a drone and they're flying this thing at like 65 oh, wow. kilometres an hour, like at top speed – straight towards the pier going low over people's heads to try and get this shot that they've obviously seen on YouTube and you look at the person flying it and they're total numpty and you just think to yourself, like, there's a, a these things are, um, I don't know, there's like, I don't want to say it's like I'm scared of them hitting you, but, like, it makes you on edge and it makes you aware of them because you feel like you have to be aware of them. I don't sit there in fear, but I sit there kind of going like, oh, jeez, is that dickhead getting really, like, are they getting too close? Do I need to start thinking about that? And it's just something I don't want to have on my mind when I'm sitting at the beach watching a pier or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. I totally get that. I'm nervous when there's other yeah. people flying. So that's why
1: directly. I don't like drones. But yeah. I was saying though that this new one has actually piqued my interest. Well, I'm actually going to well, buy not, one. No, not right now. But it's the first time I reckon no. when I've been excited about a drone, not because it's Sony, but because. No, no, you, no, 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 no,
0: Your bias is shiny, shiny, So I've, I've go, owned yeah.
1: a, I've owned a drone. How much, does,
0: how much does Sony, you know, send well, you? Well, just you Google Sony
1: Pictures month? and check out their bottom line, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, so I've, I've always, I've actually owned a Mavic 2 or whatever it was at the time. Um, yep. Uh, yep. And I've played with other people's other, like other drones. And I owned it. I only owned it for about a year before yeah. selling it because I realized I didn't really use it. However... The one thing that always got me was that, you, as you say, you do get these amazing different um, points of perspectives, right? Um, and that's yes, totally that is, true. Yeah. I especially agree when you need to be like 14 feet in the air. <laughs> you know, you are not. You don't want to be over that field yeah. just to get that kind of perspective. But um, you can't do it by just standing on something or whatever, or unless you carry a really big ladder around. Um but the thing I notice is that the ca- the image quality. I know that will differ on this a little bit because I know you do a lot of printing and um, you know big prints as well with drone stuff. But I find that there's something unsatisfying about the image quality of a drone, like how much you can push and pull it oh. and stuff like that. I know that at the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter if you get it right in the first place, but I can't do that because I'm not very good. So if you're pushing and pulling your files and stuff, I find that at least back then they weren't very good. But I love the idea if I could be if I could get the same quality that I get out of my my big camera and the same quality of that lens. Um, in a drone yep. form, that to me is like, oh, hold on. Now I wouldn't feel like I'm using my poorer that, camera, you know? Don't you think right, that's exciting? Right. How cool would it be if you yep. could shoot with your new, what is it? The the Nikon Z6? 7, 7, Z7 Mark II. Mark two, Mark I. Oh, no, Mark I. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> we won't mention
0: that. Hey, it's the same camera. It's the same number of megapixels yeah, anyway, so it doesn't matter. I've just got to um,
1: a But if you could put that up in the yeah. air. Surely that would make you really excited.
0: I don't think it'll make me any more excited than than oh. what I am now, and the reason being is that I'm I'm happy with the quality that I get out of my Mavic two. Uh, I've got a two hundred centimeter wide acrylic print in my gallery that you would swear was shot with a Z seven mounted to a drone versus the the drone right. that I used. So no, I'm I'm not. Did as you do excited that with like some high megapixel anymore. mode so,
1: or some stitching mode or something? Just a straight one shot, no, one no, shot, one no. day?
0: I did, no, no, not man. No, no, one shot. No, no, no. I did stitch it together and I manually stitched it using Lightroom. No, so no, it, but it's
1: like a, you shot it in a panorama mode or something to get the resolution. No. You shot it manually, no, did the, no, the panorama. resolution.
0: Like, I shot, yeah, yeah. I manually did the panorama and stitched it together using Lightroom and the quality is outstanding. I'll do a little video when I, I go through Can into I ask the a question on that then?
1: So. Well, of course I want to so ask another one do. then. So, yeah. from a technical perspective, right? So, one of the biggest issues in um, panorama stitching is often that um, if you're not shooting in full manual, obviously exposure compensation can stuff up shot to shot. Um, yeah, I'm presuming in the drones now you can shoot manual mode. Then, so you got the the same exposure. Oh, you oh, have okay. been out cool. yeah. for
0: a while because I think we might want to use to
1: shoot too. like aperture mode or shutter mode or something like that. And it was like you couldn't really do that pano stick. Well, at least game. I didn't use it that much, but I got the impression that to do the panel stitching stuff you have to use the inbuilt thing because otherwise you can't expose your locket, you know? Right? No, you, you,
0: you can go. with that Mavic Pro, the one that you sold, you can there shoot you in minimum mode
1: for that as well. I shouldn't have sold it then, should I? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well if you're not gonna use it, don't don't <laughs> hang on to it. But um no, you can get really good quality files out of it and, and I think that will be redundant in the, the next sort of The next version that DJI release, um, you know, again, how many megapixels do you really need? This is 20 megapixels already. Um, You know, there are some flaws, like with the shooting in low light, for example, both video as well as as stills. So they're not quite there in that regard. Um, But, you know, there's there's pros and cons that we've probably talked about already, you know, like they are annoying, they're loud, um, you know. They do take away from that tranquility. I, I admit, if I haven't got my drone up in the air and I see another one, I'm like, "Oh, that's a bit annoying." That's for sure, and that's why I tend to fly mine mm. when there's no one else around because I don't want to um, disrupt that.
1: Especially when you're wearing your Tom people. Putt hat, jacket, pants, car. Like, oh, let's <laughs> that report that is. bloke. That's it. Yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. So we, didn't, we've, we got so, we got two things to talk about today. I think we have. Oh, two, oh, oh think, we've got a topic. I think we have two. Well, we two didn't topics. really. We didn't get to like respond because you just didn't respond to me. But I assume it's two topics, and then, and where we are right now kind Go of on. like leads us into that. I think.
0: Oh, good, good. I love a yep. good so segue. You the know two that.
1: topics just to, to set everyone up. Makes this us look intelligent. Um, we're going to speed Go. around this because we've only got fifteen minutes or something. Um, yeah, twenty minutes. We got ten yes, minutes on each topic. Minutes. So Definitely. one of them is is yes. top composition pet peeves. And I think that ties perfectly into drones because you were just saying that you love that it can give you different perspectives. Um, and so that's a it's a loose, a loose connection, I guess. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna right, right. and then you were saying that you've yep. got these big two meter prints in your gallery. Um, and I'm gonna say that basically, Tom, you're on permanent exhibition. Um <laughs> Go <laughs> on. Oh,
0: yes, yes. I'm permanently, I permanently. I have a permanent exhibition at the Tom Putt Gallery, yeah, in which Street, it looks Washington. a little bit
1: like an Aldi at the moment, everyone. So if you're driving past, it's a construction. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so that's th- it. You wanted to talk about um, actually putting on an exhibition and how oh. do you name it? Was that the? Yeah.
0: yeah. This is this came from Cam Blake. I was chatting oh, with him online you.
1: yesterday, and he. <laughs> yeah. He's so annoying i call him the wombat. <laughs> I,
0: should, I, should screen, I should screenshot some of the conversations <laughs> we have.
1: You'd both be uh, arrested. They're not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not
0: very intelligent, <laughs> I tell you that. Not to, not to say that Cam is not intelligent, not at all. It's just, you know, we have that <laughs> guy, which is great. great. I love it. But um, he's been exhibited at the Cradle Mountain Gallery yeah. this year for three or four months, I believe, and he's like, oh, I need a hand. Like, can you do a podcast oh. on this? Like and how do you go about putting an exhibition together? How do you name it? What do you need? Well, to firstly, consider firstly, Cam, I've
1: so got to start taking some good pictures together. that people want to see. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. But Matt,
0: perhaps we should send him maybe. some of our Tassie pictures. Well, you know, just to help him I didn't realise this camera
1: came from Camspot. But well, maybe we just limit it to that topic, and we'll talk about the composition stuff another time. Because I think there's a lot to talk about if we're if we going that specific. The thing is,
0: you told me that you had no experience. I don't, but about I'm happy, happy to comment. I'm happy to comment on um,
1: on Cam. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. Okay. Good. Well, we'll make this a Cam yeah. bashing session, as opposed to oh, Nick Fletcher got bashing. The there you go. I got. I got. <laughs> I got his name. In there.
1: So well, it's a good question, though. Like, but, I mean, start to get an. Ex- a lot of people have exhibitions, and a lot actually, I found a lot of amateur photographers have exhibitions, and they're like, Matt, you should come to my exhibition. I'm like, How are you having an exhibition? I don't even have an exhibition. They actually do really. They actually do really well. <laughs> well, it's not.
0: It's not for. It's not for everybody, by the way, because at the end of the day, I think it's a great <laughs> ego. <clears throat> And it's a great feather in your cap as, a, as an artist to be able to have an exhibition. I think that's certainly a box that many people like to tick. Um, but financially, it can be a disaster at the end of the day. You know, like I think everyone has the idea that they're going to sell lots and it's going to work out well for them. I, I would never go into exhibiting my work. Um, thinking that that was going to be the case, I'd always go in saying, hey, I've spent this money on getting it printed and framed. If I sell one thing, that'll be really nice. If I don't sell anything, the experience has been amazing. I've been able to show off my work. I've been able to catch up with friends at the opening, et cetera, et cetera. Certainly don't go into it thinking that it's going to make you money. Well, that is the So
1: when you're choosing your photos then, right? is that Because obviously you yep, don't go into it yep. thinking you're going to sell them. I mean, you're a bit different because you have a gallery to go to afterwards, but most people don't have a gallery. Right. Um,
0: well, I'm presuming
1: it. that what you want to do before you um, you think about an exhibition as well is, is count how many blank spaces you have on your own walls because... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, most of those, <laughs> I mean, it. I know that you can, I do a lot of reframing. So I don't sell my prints or anything. I frame so my prints true. and when I get sick of it, I get them reframed using the same frames. Um, but but do you... That's very clever. Would you yeah. say that um, when you're choosing those images up front, are you very conscious about making sure you choose images that you actually like because likelihood is you'll end up with them as opposed to bo- look, putting things up you think well, other think, people would like?
0: I think it's a great, a great um, topic to bring up. I think, yes, you should absolutely exhibit what you like, but for two reasons. One is one you've already pointed out. Yes, you may well end up with most of those images in your house and therefore you want to like them. But B, just like entering photos into a photo competition, don't exhibit work that you think people will like because generally you will compromise on what you like and therefore at the end of the day, if it doesn't sell, you'll tend to sort of blame yourself and say, "Ah, oh, well, they weren't pictures I liked anyway," or "I knew I shouldn't have chosen them." All those will come into your head. I think, and I've made this mistake in the past with my own gallery. You want to, you want to, I, I, I create this stupid scenario where I say, "If Matt Crummins was walking through the door, I'd want to be super proud of every single photo I had on that wall. I wouldn't want to be saying." oh, yeah, don't go there because that's that's my dud stuff, whereas this stuff's really good, hang around here. I want to be able to showcase my work and be proud of every single photograph that's on the wall there because it's mine and I love it and therefore I would do the same when exhibiting your own work. You know, be super proud of what you've chosen, be happy with all the photographs you've chosen and give yourself the best shot to sell something. Don't try and predict what people may well like because um, I think you'll become unstuck
1: and so when you're looking at your prints you know i think about the way that people show you photos from their holiday holidays as an example (laughs) the classic hey do you want to see my pictures from my europe trip and you're just like oh, oh, not really
0: yeah um no not particularly but anyway it makes you feel better going um
1: one thing i really (laughs) like when i see someone's an album that's really well put together is i feel as though not every shot is a hero shot you know, like you have sort of like a really spectacular shot that's followed by a couple of really good shots that kind of, it's sort of, it's a bit of a, I don't know, like dips and troughs experience to kind of keep you engaged rather than if everything's really, really amazing, it's almost like if everyone's special, no one's special kind of thing. Do you, how do you, how do you go about, you know, if you need to like all the shots you're putting in, how do you go about curating like kind of, here's my A grade and then (sighs) look, here's a few B fillers just to, you know, be the fillers. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, I try and avoid the fillers, but you know, I get what you're saying in terms of we want to take people on a journey. I think that's what you're hinting towards. Um, and so, I, I would do a couple of things. Obviously, you got to have a theme. So it might be a specific location, or it might be waterfalls, or it might be a colour. Um, it might be a mood. You know, whatever whatever it is, pick that theme, um, and then I would honestly go through a really hard process of looking through all your pictures. Dumbing it down to, say, 10, I really don't think you need... People tend to think they need a whole lot of photos to put on an exhibition either. You'd you'd find that there's 10, you know, really beautiful photographs that you'd happily print and hang on the wall. Um, Let's start with 10. I think you need to show them around to a few people. And I'm not saying... um, photographers necessarily either I'm thinking you know obviously anyone listening to this podcast is more than welcome well I don't speak for you Matt but for, for me personally if you were like I'm having an exhibition Tom would you mind looking through my photos and and helping me choose absolutely I would love to help you out anybody who's who's wanting to do that because I think you need some sort of objectivity sometimes because we do get too close to our own photographs and we've Longed to get to a particular place, and we finally got there after years of wanting to get there, and we got what we considered to be a nice photo. But in the grand scheme of things, do you think that 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 goes for your feedback
1: loop comes from like family and friends as well? Do you think you really need to kind of separate that a bit?
0: I think it goes. Yeah, no, I think I think you take all of that into account. I think you take in family, friends, other photographers, mentors, etc., and then you have a really good hard look at it and say, right, what are we going to choose at the end, and. And again, be happy with your choice, but know that there might be a few in there that you, um, a few in there that have been excluded because Mm. you were too close to them. You've just got to acknowledge that, hey, okay, yeah, maybe I was a bit too close to that one. Or you may go bugger it. You know what? I really like these two. And even though a few other people have said that they don't particularly, I would love to see these printed and I'd love to see these in the exhibition. So I know I'm contradicting myself, but I think the, the, the take home point is don't, don't you decide on what goes into the exhibition just on your own. You definitely want to share the love and have some input from a few others that you trust that will help so you. So I've
1: own. got more questions. Can I just keep going with this question answer situation?
0: Oh, you are. You've done, uh, you Just done whilst home, I tune out to what your
1: answers are, I'm writing more questions here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, you too. Who said, oh, good.
0: That? who said that? I'm glad I'm not the only one who does that. <laughs> so
1: so when you are choosing your pictures right now this is going to be maybe i don't know i don't want to say like it's not controversial but i think i think someone i think some people could consider this controversial maybe i don't know maybe not um you obviously know where you're going to exhibit these shots right and so um you know what gallery space you're going to be using and therefore you'd have a pretty good idea of the area that you're exhibiting in and therefore the demographic of that area that you're exhibiting in. So oh, would see. you put see, any yeah. waiting and actually I can, I might just relate this back to something else. I had someone the other day ask me about starting a photography business down in Tassie. They're moving from Melbourne down to Tassie. Yep. An amazing photographer has a wicked podcast as well, by the way. Um, yep. And really? um,
0: I, I, I'm not moving no, to Tassie
1: well, though. It's, yeah. It's, you, Oh, you, you, might to um, okay. you might be so. if you end up being, you know, Cam's assistant um, in uh, exhibitions. But, um, <laughs> but they asked, and, and, and cool. what they sort of didn't maybe take into account when we were chatting initially was that when they're looking to start this business, they've sort of based all their research on Melbourne. And then they're talking about starting this business in Tasmania, where there's a totally different demographic, totally different, yep. you know... Uh, Spending habits and purchasing decisions and stuff. Would you take into account um, the type of work you're exhibiting? Would you take into account where you're exhibiting it? So, for instance, if you were exhibiting in mm-hmm. like a rural area of Victoria, as an example, even if you're a wicked street yeah. artist, if you're actually, if you one of your goals is to kind yeah. of, I know not, not your goal shouldn't be to sell work, but that's I think a lot of people's goal is to do that. Would you kind of go look? I'm going to maybe choose works that would maybe fit into a rural house environment as opposed to maybe like chic modern apartment i think
0: i think that does need to be consideration absolutely you need to think about who your target market is and what will suit their Uh, homes for example because we're talking about art i i i think photographers could place far too much emphasis on that as well though um, Mary and I have often had this discussion with other artists about um, portrait studios, for example, who say, to, oh, I want to set up a portrait studio. I want to photograph <laughs> dogs or I want to photograph kids. Um, but, you know, you do well because you're based in Mornington as opposed to oh, I'm in, you know, Balnauring or I'm in a... Uh, rural area, you know, people don't have money here. That's absolute bollocks. There's money everywhere. So, which person in government ever, told
1: you to say uh, that? <laughs> no,
0: no, no. There's money everywhere, and so yes, you'd absolutely want to consider your target market and um, where who who may well buy it, where it would go, but. I have a problem, I'm going to skew this towards pricing for a second because that's where I thought you were going with the question because I have a real problem with people who go, oh, I can't charge as much as that because I live in the country. Well, people in the country still earn money and people who have money still want to spend money. So who are you to limit their spending by undervaluing your work? And I think just my little rant will be you will never charge too much for your work. That's what I'm going to say because most of the time people will go, yeah, I really should have charged a bit more for that. When I when I consider the, the cost of the printing and then I consider the framing and it ended up being more expensive than I thought it was going to be and then I had to pay for the exhibition space and then we had an opening night so that was a few hundred bucks on drinks and cheese boards and stuff like that and I really didn't make a lot of money out of that. If you're not making at least, and I'm talking about gross here, so the cost is – yeah. Say it's five hundred dollars to print and frame. If you're not charging at least a thousand dollars, you're not making mm. any money whatsoever. It's it's just if you're doing it to make a bit of money, if you're not charging double what it costs you to print and frame that. And also,
1: you, you're not bother. just it's not just making money, but you are tra- like given that you'll probably only sell one or two pieces, maybe in an exhibition. You are actually trying to recoup those printing and framing costs. It's <laughs> <You're> trying to <laughs> make to making money. It's still going to you know, be wild. A strong you. word. You're quite right. You're quite right.
0: And, you know, this is, I'm coaching myself here at the end of the day. If, if those people love your work and, and enough to just turn up and support you as an artist, perhaps not even buy something, but support you as an artist, um, by, purchase, by somebody purchasing your work, they're actually investing in you to go out and take more photos or to continue your good work. And so your money that you make from selling your work supports your future career so therefore you don't want to rob yourself of that opportunity you don't want to you know what I really would love to have been a professional landscape photographer
1: but can't afford
0: I couldn't make enough money out of it in the first place so therefore uh, that's a shame because there's a lot of great artists out there who who don't do it full-time who are incredibly talented and the world's full of them but they just can't make money out of their out of their work and this is where I say most artists tend to be shy about what they want to charge. And unless there's a cringe factor, mm. and I've talked about this, I'm sure, before the cringe factor. Unless there's a cringe factor, you're not charging enough. So if you're looking at that price you're selling it for and going, oh wow, that's a bit steep or that's a bit high, well, you're probably on the money, if not
1: charging. And I'm gonna say my takeaway from that was how philanthropic you are. Um, you know, making sure that you are not the person who prevents people from spending the money they want to spend you just you're such a good citizen <laughs> Tom. So I, that, that was really powerful for me
0: so, so true what, Who are you to tell other people exactly. how they should spend their money at the end of the day there's people there's people out there who earn very good money who want to spend five <coughs> ten fifteen twenty thousand dollars or more on artwork because it makes them feel good they've worked hard for that money and they want to spend it whichever way they want, and if they want to spend $10,000 on a piece of art, well, who are you to say no? Who are you to say, well, actually, mm. it's not worth that much? Well, That's it. It may well be. You know, I've sold the most expensive artwork I've sold in my gallery to date is $13,000 it a selfie? one
1: piece. Was it, <laughs> was it an NFT selfie? <laughs> a new
0: selfie, <laughs> a new, a new <laughs> selfie Matt. A new, it was just from oh, the waist right. down. Yeah. It was huge. It was huge. It was a very yeah, big piece, yeah. as you can imagine. It was, it was, it was a, a life-size right. one-to-one.
1: Taken with a drone, obviously. Uh, stitched. Yeah. It was, it was, a, oh, it was a couple
0: God. of meters long. Um,
1: so, all right. We don't have that much time left, but I have two more really important questions that I know Cam would want me to ask because oh. he's probably sitting there scratching his little wombat bum going, oh, what should I be doing? <laughs> <laughs> um what a I know, everyone I see him, I'm like, is. Cam, you just remind me of a wombat. Because just, he, just, he, he, he's actually a really fit to... dude, but it's like, because he's so short, he's got this kind of like stocky little, he sort of walks, he sort of wombles. I don't know, like it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's we a caught a up wombat. in Bright a couple he's of weeks ago and had a couple of years and um, we didn't get to spend much time together, uh, but we did run into each other pretty much every location we went to. Um, he yeah, was following yeah, you,
0: he was stalking he, you. He's a stalker, yeah. he's a serial yeah, stalker. Like a true he's
1: wombat.
0: i he hasn't He hasn't been locked up yet. I'm not
1: sure why. uh, Last question that I've got, and you you've got five minutes on this one, um, but I'm going to break it into two parts. And because I've got I've got an absolute pet (coughs) here as well that I'm going to interject on uh, at some point. Um, We've you obviously need to name your artwork, and I know that you kind of go out and put it out into the ether and say competition. What should I call it? You'll get a free book. I like.
0: Yes, I I do. Oh, you've disturbed me as well.
1: Free book, Tom. Um, There you go. And, and, I, and I think that's a really cool idea. Um, but also, because you still get to, to vet the names. So it's a great way to get names.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I could go, yeah. But no, there I don't is like just
1: it. a certain <laughs> level. I think sometimes when I see people naming their artwork, there is just a level of cringe where I actually really liked the piece until I read the name. And sometimes it changes the vibe oh. of it completely. And it's not to say that it's like because it's so specific or something, but it almost gives you an insight into the, the artist that you're like, oh, you're that kind of person. Um, and it maybe doesn't gel. Oh, it's so dodgy. I know. No, but you're like as so an example, judgy. like you see a spectacular yeah, piece of artwork, but then if it's named something really wanky, you kind of go like, oh, yeah, cheesy. really? Now you've just cheapened your whole yes. piece. Like it didn't need to have some crazy name. Like some of the best artwork I've seen on the planet um, that I've seen, um, I look at it and it's like, it says what it is on like, it says what it is on the tin. You know, it's like, you know, yep. woman in yep. blue. And yep. it's like the pictures of a woman in blue. And you're yep. like, oh, that makes total sense. <laughs> but when it's called yep. like, you know, yep. slashes of blue meets woman, you're just like, doesn't <laughs> <laughs> really make sense anymore. Um, and now I don't like it because I'm trying to make sense of <laughs> the stupid name you put through it. And so, right. So how do you, you go about, you. Yeah, okay. um, I mean, I know your technique of asking the general public and getting weird names for it, but how do you go about, or how would you advise someone to go about naming their work um, rather than just sort of saying like hoped and Falls, which is kind of, you know, it's hoped and Falls. All right. Yep. That is what it says on the tin. Sure. There's a compromise between, you know, specifically it is that and the wank. Uh, how do you find that fine line? Um, because I think it's also it's, people fi- people use the naming almost as a way to elevate their work, like make it more professional, but has a cool name. It's like really professional when in actual fact it's kind yeah. of no one really cares.
0: I think I think this, where I'm going with this... Don't I make me angry, is, Tom. That's all I'm going to say. No, okay. no, I'm not going to make you angry. I'm going to say that if that name, if you want to name your work something other than the place where it's taken if that name comes naturally to you rather than you painstakingly going over for an hour trying to think of a wanky name, I think if it comes naturally to you, great. I think if you can justify it, as in, you know, like if somebody said to you, oh, why did you call that way Otway Dreaming, you know, that particular waterfall? And you go, well, actually, when I, when I got there... <laughs> if you could write a story to justify the the name... I think, and, and include that story alongside the artwork, by the way. People love reading stories. Like, don't, don't, it's don't go into I that. That's my second question, Tom. Talk about the name. Okay. So, okay. So the name, the name, the name. Um, if you're unsure, don't don't go with a wanky name. If the wanky name is something that um, suits the image and you feel that it helps describe the photograph or at least take people to a place that you want them to, to be in that particular photograph, do that. But as you've pointed out, it can easily backfire and it's not necessary. And even if you just titled it um, untitled, which I, I don't even like it, but, but it's better than a, a wanky yeah, tryhard I name. tend
1: to agree. I think that like it, 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 you need to be pretty famous to pull off a wanky name, I think. like Otherwise, it, it's, it feels like yeah. if the Photo didn't do enough, it's on its own. You needed to put like inject yes. this idea. Like if the photo doesn't speak the thousand words, um, you know, <laughs> and you, you can't speak the title, then you know, then there's a miss- yeah. there's a missing link there. And and what you're doing is compensating for the photo. That's that's how I feel about it. I
0: think I think 90% of the time yeah. it could easily backfire. 10% of the time it can come off. So therefore, if you're wanting to play it safe, just don't go with any sort of title. Just just describe what it is, and um, and people will be happy with that. M- majority of the time, it's not going to influence a sale although sometimes it can absolutely where somebody could go you know what I love the photograph but then more often than yeah, not it's true.
1: actually the story
0: people go I read the story behind you and it's just
1: I used a drone to, to take place. this photo and I'm like nah not buying it <laughs> <laughs> um so so that's the next question right and I know we're running a little low on time but the next question is something that I think is so stupidly important and people don't recognize they do it all the time they don't recognize it is that um the story behind a shot um, whilst the photo should say a thousand words, sometimes a bit of context that a photo simply couldn't tell can go a really long way. Whenever Laura and I look at, we, we, we don't, I'm not saying we, we don't, certainly don't collect art, but we do buy art. And um, yes. when we find a piece, um, we are often love the shot and then we'll read the story. If there's no story, we kind of go like, oh, is this just a snap? if we read the story and there's some sort of connection there where you go, it doesn't have to be like a deep and personal connection, but you sort of go like, wow, that feels like there was effort. Like it feels like the artist loves this shot. It's sort of a way for the artist to convey yeah. their passion towards that shot. Um, but how do you yeah. go about captioning? How long should captions be? And should they be written as like as more factual or do you think they should, like sometimes they can get very wanky, dreamy, you know, which is not, not a problem necessarily. Um,
0: no, it depends yeah. who you are as a person. It, and so I, I don't have a sort of thought either way, whether it should be factual or not. Um, sometimes somebody just telling a boring story is boring, um, you know, so it's got to be yeah. a story that's interesting. Um, it's got to be something that perhaps has some meaning for you, you know, like I, I wanted to go to this place because of X, Y, and Z, or I visited this place many times before and it didn't work out because of this, that, and the other. And I was really pleased This time around, it it came to this, you know, or what I love about this photograph or this artwork is Mm. this, you know, um, something that is emotional often obviously works. You know, you're putting the emotion into the image itself, um, describing how difficult it is to get there or these conditions uh, don't come around all that often or the reason this, this photograph takes you to a certain place is because of X, Y and Z often works well. Again, some people are great at writing that stuff and then other people just doesn't come naturally at all. You could get somebody to ghostwrite it for you if you really wanted to. Um, But at the end of the day, I would really encourage people to write a story behind the photograph because – Often people I also, have a story to tell. I also think there it's a bit like a wine
1: tasting a little bit where you go, if you buy a bottle, of wine, a bottle of wine on the shelf, right, you'll look at the, you know, often people just look at the label, they know the type of wine they want to get. They look at the label that's an attractive label, they'll buy yeah. that one. But there's nothing worse than rocking yeah. up to like a dinner party with a half-decent bottle of wine and having nothing to say about it. And I, and I feel as, not that not that you always need to, but like if, if, oh. if wine is a feature at that table, yeah. you know, Remember yeah, that well, you should. No, but but, as, but I'll give you an example here. Right, you're talking about buying expensive artwork. You're saying you've sold artwork for like thirteen grand, right? Which I think it's not. I'm yep. not saying it's unreasonable. It is a lot of money still for for, for photography. I think it's right. no, well, not yeah, for you. But but, yes, but I kind of go yes. um if I if I look at it through <laughs> that lens. If I we're, like, we're moving into a new house in four weeks. I can't bloody wait. There's so much wall space. We're putting gallery lighting. I'm just. I'm so excited to 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 get wow. this place set up. Wow. Right, I do it. When do I expect oh, your well, order actually, to come through? actually, I've got to through? talk to you about that. Um, but but, <laughs> but <laughs> yes. what I think about is like if I put a piece of artwork on a wall and it's really like it's enough that I like it, I expect other people are probably going to like it and hopefully comment on it. You know, that's what art's about. But if yes. I sit there like a bloody yep. goldfish when they comment on it going, well, I don't know, it's just a picture I liked. Whereas yep. I think having yep. that caption, because yep. you're not going to display the caption in your home necessarily, but if you know the story... yeah. It gives you Uh, something to talk about and to describe, and it starts conversations. And I think that that enhances people's love of photography um, or or art in general. And so that caption, it helps you to sound educated. (laughs) If that makes sense, yeah. But
0: people do love that too. I've I've often had people that have said, "So, so where did you take this? Like, how long ago did you take it? So, where is this? You know, they're wanting uh, to know more, and 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 they're interested. But also too, it works in their favor because, as you've said, you know. People come over, you know that house that I bloody put the the um, the photos into yesterday. Beautiful, modern build um, in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, and. And he will proudly, you know, show people through that home and go, oh, yeah. look at my latest artwork, you know, look at this. And he will people go, oh, right, okay, where's that? And he'll want to say to people, well, it's here and it's taken by this artist down on the Mornings Peninsula and we found him online or we walked past his gallery and we fell in love with this space and he and, he, and describe a little bit about me perhaps and the artwork and what it's printed on and how big it is and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that they want to sound educated and they should because at the end of the day if you're a lover of art, you will know something about that. Absolutely, artist or it's like artwork. rocking
1: up again, rocking up to that dinner party, bring a nice bottle of wine. Just, oh my god, this is lovely. Where did you find this? And go, I, I like the label. <laughs> it's this. It doesn't. It's not the same, you know. Uh, it's
0: got. It's it's got it's got lots of metal, <laughs> gold, shiny <laughs> metal. It. it was actually on it, so closest to the door, would. and I don't like
1: walking, so. <laughs>
0: It was yeah, under. It was under ten bucks. So I just thought that was appropriate <laughs> to bring
1: one. Um, although that, at least that would have a good story,
0: wouldn't it? I yeah. know <laughs> oh, we didn't buy this. We didn't buy yeah. this. Somebody else brought it over for dinner. The other part. We're just regifting it. <laughs>
1: uh, Is it well, any good?
0: <laughs> Let us know. We don't actually drink red, so therefore, we're well,
1: Cam. Happy. I hope that was helpful. I hope we've answered all your questions.
0: Can? Yes, can. No. I thought you called me Can there for a second?
1: I'm addressing You're our one audience bastard. member. Yeah
0: oh Cameron, Cameron yes yes <laughs>
1: one audience member the Wild best part is we'll have more none. listens on this episode than any other but it'll all just be <laughs> Cam listening to it and taking notes again and again it, it, yeah. over and over In and over mind. again just to
0: hear his name oh look oh no I got <laughs> mentioned again oh that's amazing no.
1: oh, wow that's it wow. new, new plaque on his website oh, it won't it just be awards one it'll be podcast mentions. over 10,000 podcast mentions it
0: as a, r- <laughs> yep. Elevator. <laughs> a ringtone on his but phone
1: we love you Cam
0: <laughs> love you cam love you love you i'm actually looking forward to getting down to tassie again and uh shooting down there this oh, winter nice. i want to do a little bit of snow stuff with my new nikon z7 mirrorless camera that's super lightweight that i'll happily i'll happily be able to put in my backpack as opposed to the other cameras where i go oh, do i don't really have to carry this with me so yeah
1: looking forward to getting down there reckon that's, that's a wrap awesome. tom i gotta run
0: that's a wrap that's a wrap that's a wrap, that's a wrap. well done everybody <laughs> give a good pat on the back and a big spoonful of milo thanks matt been great to catch up with you again you've been listening to yet another episode of matt and tom's excellent adventure or podcast even
1: bye we'll catch you next week bye